0: It struck me um, this year as I was reading the Christmas story again and then listening to our bell choir share it tonight, there's a lot of traveling in the story of Christ's birth. Um, That's why I wanted to play this, my favorite movie, because we get to see the kids traveling and falling and rolling and dropping and traveling. But think about it. In the Christmas story, Gabriel travels to Mary and to Zechariah to bring them the good news. Mary travels to stay with her relative, Elizabeth. Today's story started with Mary and Joseph traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And in fact, there were so many people traveling to Bethlehem at that time that there was no room in the what? The inn. Right. Right. And then a host of angels travel to the shepherds. The shepherds travel to Bethlehem. The magi travel all the way from the far east. And this part of Jesus' story, the story of his birth and early days, it ends with Mary, Joseph, and their child traveling to Egypt as refugees fleeing the terror of King Herod. That's a lot of traveling. A lot of people seeking a warm, dry, and safe place to lay their heads. A lot of people looking for a place to call home. And the beauty of the Christmas story is that it is a story of people offering a place to others in their hour of need. It is the story of a people making room for others. Elizabeth offers up her home to a much younger relative, Mary, this unwed, scared, and pregnant young girl. Mary and Joseph welcome in a whole host of strange and weary travelers seeking something new, something different, something holy, seeking hope for a future, unafraid. From shepherds to wise men, there is room next to Jesus. But perhaps the most famous moment of someone making room for another comes at the inn where Mary and Joseph arrive in a very crowded Bethlehem. It's Luke 2, verse 7, and it reads, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's pray. Glorious God and Jesus, your grace appears, bringing salvation to us all. Help us to ponder your words of love by the light of your Spirit, that we may proclaim glad tidings of peace and welcome Christ into our world. Amen. There was no place for them in the inn. I've I've always been partial to that phrase no room in the inn because I have been there anybody else ever been there when there's no room in the inn I have been there more than once in fact as a kid growing up in Indiana every summer my family would join a great pilgrimage of midwesterners heading east on I90 to the coast As a people growing up in a sea of soybeans and corn, we naturally felt drawn to see an actual sea with actual water, like shepherds or the magi drawn to Jesus, who is our living water. And we always, on the way out east, we always had the same hotel reservations. We always stayed in Seneca Falls, New York, and my mom would tell us all about the beginning of the women's voting rights movement in Seneca Falls, New York, but my dad, on the way back, like a true, he's, he's Clark Griswold to the T because he decided every year we're going to try to get as far as we can on the way back. Before we stop, we're just going to go. So we never had reservations on the way home. And so my childhood is filled with memories of pulling into hotel after motel and hearing my father return with the same words there's no room in the inn. And my dad would grow increasingly tired, and my brother and I would be increasingly over the car. And my mom, she would be increasingly, let's just say, increasingly less passive in her aggressiveness. And the worst part was the year that we literally, there was literally no room on any inn on I-90 from Maine to Indiana, and we had to drive the whole way home and it was miserable and it scarred me for life i had my own no room in the end moment um when I was in college, on my own, I'd, I'd made the three-hour drive home on a Friday night to see my family and friends, and it was my sophomore year, and I, didn't, I, like didn't, I, I missed home, but I also didn't want to miss out on things at college, so I decided the Saturday I was going to drive back late in the day, and so I'm hitting Indianapolis, it's dark, it's raining, and I get south of Indianapolis on I-65, and that's when a tire blew on my van, and I had a spare tire but I had no flashlight, no money, and no cell phone. I was a college student. It was the 90s. I didn't know you needed those things. But by the grace of my father, I did have an Amoco gas card. And we have an Amoco here now. It's like they came back from the dead, right? (laughs) And there's one here, and it brings back all these memories, like, of me. In the middle of the dark, in the rain, walking the mile back to the Amoco station at the last turnoff, and I'd left the blinkers, the emergency lights flashing on my car, because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And I get back to the Amico and I ask for help. And one of the guys, he's amazing, he gets in his, I still remember, it's a Dodge Dart, and he zips down in the rain to fix my tire. And I paid them with my card. And then he came back, and I walked in the rain back to my car. And I look at my car, and I'm thinking, oh, that guy was nice. He turned my blinkers off for me. Right, I put the key in the ignition and I got nothing. <laughs> so I walk back <laughs> in the rain to the Amoco station and I say, "I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I, my battery. Uh, can can you jump that? Can I pay for that with my card?" And they said, yeah So the Dodge Dart goes down in the rain. Guess what? A Dodge Dart will not jumpstart a 1988 Chevy Astro minivan. It doesn't have enough power to get the minivan going. So he comes back. He says, I'm sorry, we'll have a truck in the morning, and I can't pay anyone else, just Amoco, so if you can find a place to stay. Okay. At that moment, I look on the back of my card, and Amico had a deal with Red Roof Inn. And by the grace of God, there was a Red Roof in on the other side of the bridge over the interstate. And so I'm walking. rain. I'm trying my best not to cry. But even if I were, you couldn't tell because the rain is going down my face. My clothes are soaked. And this was the 90s, so it was all flannel from head to toe. And I get to the Red Roof in, and I look just awful. And I walk up to the desk, and I say to the gentleman behind the desk at like 12:30, 1 o'clock, 2 in the morning, Sir do you have a room? I can pay. And I show my card. And he looks at me up and down and he says, no, I'm sorry. There's no room in the, no, the red roof in. Thank you though. And I must have, like my face must have hit the floor and I may have cried, I don't know. But it only took him about five seconds for the joke to be over. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We do have room in the inn for you tonight. And I stayed in the Red Roof Inn, and I still haven't forgiven that gentleman. <laughs> Southport, Indiana on I 65. Don't stay there. But every time I read this story of Mary and Joseph, I picture them, and it's like their fifth or sixth in, you know, (laughs) and it's raining, and the donkey has a flat, and his battery's almost out, and Mary is getting increasingly less passive in her aggressiveness, (laughs) and Joseph is tired, and they're just looking for a warm, safe, dry place to call home for the night. And yet another innkeeper utters those words, there's no room in the inn. Only this time, the innkeeper changes the script. This innkeeper is different. This innkeeper makes room. And that makes all the difference for Mary and Joseph, and for us, really, Because Christ's story is about making room. Making room for shepherds and wise men, asses and angels, young mothers and impossibly old mothers, refugees and strangers, saints and sinners, tax collectors and fishermen, the demon-possessed and the self-possessed, the least, the lost, and the lonely, and us making room for you and for me christ offers a home for all of us and after the the two years that we've had i could use a rest i could use a place to lay my head for a few moments that's dry that's warm that that feels safe After last year and and spending, we spent Christmas Eve in our cars. It was like my vacation horrors all over again. We were in our cars on Christmas Eve. This year, there's room in the sanctuary for us. I could use the story of a Savior who makes room for all of us. After not traveling to see my family last Christmas, after not making it home last Christmas, I could use a story of a family who did make it and of a people who made room for them. And after the last few years of of fighting and division and anger and hurt, not just in our world, not just in our country, but in our own homes, among family members of times when the ones we love aren't making room for us and we're not making room for them for this reason or that reason. After two years of wandering, lost on the highways of life, weary with no rest in sight, my tire's flat, my battery's almost done, I could use a rest. We could use a rest. I don't know about you, but my response to last year especially I felt it deeply this Christmas as I I tried to fill my calendar fill my days tried to do more to make it not feel so hectic and crazy try to be more and really I'm just spinning my tires I'm just spinning my wheels running down my battery and I'm not making room for the ones I love the most and so I don't know about you but I needed this story of making room this Christmas we need this story of making room. I think we're drawn to this story like shepherds and magi to the manger. We're drawn home to Jesus because there's always room next to Jesus. And so I want to end with another story. I think I shared it. I looked, I have, I have my notes and I, I, look, I think I shared it five years ago. So if y'all remember, I apologize. But I need to hear it again. I don't know, I don't, whatever you need, but I need it when I was starting in ministry a few years ago, it was in Warrensburg, Missouri, and I was blessed to be friends with an at-risk kid in the public school system. It was a program where they buddied kids in the school up. Um, and, and I get to do it here, too. I got two buddies this year. But back then, it was this opportunity to be a source of stability in the life of a young man who had little structure and so little that he could depend on I mean, he was a good kid, but his struggles had, were hard. But I enjoyed spending time with him. In his fifth grade year, though, I, I wasn't sure that he actually enjoyed spending time with, with me. We used to eat together outside the lunchroom, and we'd spend recess hanging out and talking, and, and we played Uno, the like one that shoots the cards out of the rapid thing. And, and now, though, in fifth grade, he wanted to stay in the cafeteria and eat with his friends And when we went out on the playground, he didn't want to play with me. He wanted to play basketball and football with the other kids. He just wanted me to watch (laughs) and peek and make sure I was there every now and again. A couple weeks before Christmas, though, things got, uh, it's church life. Things get busy as you get toward Christmas. And and, um, I was feeling the pressure. And one Friday, I always went on Fridays, I didn't make room in my schedule. And I thought, ah, He doesn't really need me want me there anyway probably doesn't even know I'm there half the time so I called the school and I said you know I'm sorry I'm I'm not going to be here on Friday could tell my friend but I'm going to try to be there on Wednesday the last day of school before break and so I go on Wednesday before Christmas break we celebrated he asked me maybe four or five times where were you last Friday and why didn't I make it because he cared even when I thought he didn't care right he did. And he even suggested, hey, can we sit in the hallway like we used to? This you and I, maybe we'll play Uno. He had forgotten how Christmas had always been hard for him. I remember a couple years before that, his mom had actually returned all of his gifts and told him that the day before Christmas because he'd gotten in trouble at school. And so sure enough, that day, Wednesday, he'd already been to the principal's office by the time I got there, Christmas hadn't always come for him, and then I'd just done the same thing. (laughs) I hadn't come for him. I hadn't made room for him. And so we got out to recess, and he desperately went over to try and play with his basketball friends, but they didn't make room for him either. Football kids, same thing. He was pushed out of the game. And so he pushed back, and he said some words that I did not know fifth graders knew how to say. And at the end of the day... He ended up back in the principal's office, and I just left by myself to my car, wondering if he was going to have Christmas that year when his mom found out. Now, I don't know if I'd been there last week on Friday, if it had made a difference. I don't know if that kids had made room for him on the basketball court, if it would have made a difference. But the story of Christ's birth makes me wonder whether in those moments of decision, in those moments where we might face a challenging dilemma, in those moments when the ends of our life feel too full to take on one more thing, if those aren't the moments when we can give birth to Christ in us, God with us, if only we make room for Christ, and in so doing, Make room for those who so desperately need him and us, so desperately need a place to call home. Amen. Amen.